If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Hello, everyone. Welcome back once again to Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Chad Dotson. With me, the uh, the veteran leader, the voice of reason, as we say, at Red Leg Nation, Bill Lack. Uh, how you doing today, Bill? Boy, I tell you what, if I'm the voice of reason, we're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> All I know is that uh, the, the only reason you want to come on these podcasts and want to co-host with me is uh, because you know I'm going to have some uh, uh, glowing introduction of you every week because these people don't know any better. Well, I, you, know, I, the, you know, the other thing is, you know, hanging out with you upgrades my show's social standing. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what may not um, upgrade your uh, your social standing, the fact that you're a big fan of the Cincinnati Reds right now, because they have been struggling before today's game. We're recording this on Sunday. Before today's game, our uh, Red Legs were 3-8, and eight, last in the majors, I believe, in runs scored. And it was a just the first eleven games leaving out out today, pretty ugly. I mean, really, there's uh, not a whole lot positive to say. Well, there's some positive things, but it's pretty ugly first uh, couple of weeks, wasn't it? Yeah, it really has. And it's funny because I went back today. I was to tell you how bored I was earlier today. I went back and looked at the Reds' record on this date, and I went back to '69 because that's when the you know we started. They started playing a little bit earlier in the, in April as, as the playoffs expanded and that kind of thing. And going back to 1969, this is the furthest the Reds have ever been out of first place on this date. And it's the third worst winning percentage since 1969. Well, you're not, uh, you're not giving any reason for optimism. No, and the sad thing is, I mean, you can look at how these, these years that they had bad starts. And, you know, and I'm looking at 85, 93 this year. now, 1977, they, they you know they uh, they started two and five and ended up 88 and 74 and finished second. And in '85, they finished second, started one and three. But for the most part, it's you know second pl- it's second place, fifth place, second place, sixth place, third place, fourth place, fifth place. And you have to get to 2012 when they started three and five on this date before you had a, a year that they won anything. Right. If, and if you flip that and you see the years that they that they had good starts. You know, like even if you look at uh, 2010, they started five and three, and, and they won a division. Uh, 1970, they started six and three, they won a division. 75, they started four and two, they won a division. Now 2006, 2011, 2011, they started eight and four and finished third. So I mean, but there's a lot more ones and twos if you flip that winning percentage up to the higher end than when you're down here at the lower end, even at this early in April. And, and, and the concern for me, and I said that I think I may have said this when we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, my concern was with the schedule, and, and I and I was going to blame it on the injuries. And I don't think you can blame the, the red struggles on the injuries uh, for the most part. But the concern was that they could get buried in April, and and that 
you know, six games out halfway through April is not a good sign. Yeah, I think if you had told me, though, that they would be 3-8 and eight after 11 games, uh, given what we knew about the uh, bullpen and all the injuries to the, the pitching staff, uh, I would have thought, well, that's a big part of the problem. And it really hasn't been thus far. The problem through the first 11 games was uh, the offense, or lack of an offense, I guess is a more appropriate way to put it. That changed a little today. And, you know, the Reds won today. We're going to talk about that in just one moment. Scored a bunch of runs, 12. But uh, the Reds are 4-8 and eight now, and I guess uh, just to sort of flip the script a little bit, if we want to try to look at the glass half full, if they win tomorrow, they'll be 5-8. and eight. The last time that they started 5-8 and eight was 2010, which was a magical year for the Reds in some ways. So uh, who knows? We're still early. Um, it's early. So, so we got to root for a big win against the Pirates tomorrow night to, 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 to get the mojo back on our side. Exactly, exactly. Uh, all that is fun to look at. Uh, probably meaningless. The Reds got to start playing better baseball. They got to start scoring more runs. Today they did just that, twelve runs. Uh, and we want to talk uh, in depth about Devin Mesrocco in a moment. But he hit his second home run, uh, a three-run shot. Joey Votto hit a, his second home run today, and and of course Chris Heisey with a grand slam in the bottom of the eighth inning, pinch hit grand slam. So um, what an interesting day, and all up and down the lineup, uh, really. Pretty good production, and, and finally we had a day when the Reds could sort of uh, uh, relax and smile and uh, look like the team we wanted to see. A lot of fun today, wasn't it? Yeah, you, you know, you didn't have you didn't have your teeth clenched there in the ninth inning today for a change. You know, either when they were batting or when they were on the on the field, uh, as you have the last couple of nights, is that they seem to self destruct at every at every opportunity. Um, you know, today you got you got. Other than Cristiani got beat up a little bit, you know, Singrani threw another great game. Uh, I heard a stat today. I don't know if you'd heard this, but on the it was on the they talking about it on the TV broadcast. He's the first pitcher in a hundred years to have thrown. He's thrown now, I think it's twenty two starts where he's not given up more than five hits. He's the first guy to do that in like a hundred years. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I mean, when you think about it. It is amazing. It's maybe not as amazing. Well, it, it's it's amazing. There's, there's, let's not diminish it at all. Uh, of course, most people in their first 19, 20, 21, 22 starts of their career back in the earlier part of last century, obviously, were pitching more than five innings, which some of his outings were. And yeah. so maybe that diminishes it a little bit, but not really. I mean, this guy has been fabulous from day one on this roster, and, and you know, he's, he's a huge key to what this uh, club can possibly uh, accomplish, if they're going to accomplish anything. He's going to be one of the keys. Uh, get production like that out of your number four starter or number three, uh, if we unless we get Matt Latos back. That's that's good stuff. Yeah, it really is. You know, and, and, and before we get off of today's game too far, again, the curious usage of Sam LaCure continues. Who? Uh, I, I don't, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I saw his picture on the side of a milk carton at the grocery store yesterday. I, I don't understand prices. Use of, of Lacurie, he, he seems to be hesitant using the games or in spots where, to me, it seems evident that he should be used. And today, when you got a chance, you know, you've got a big lead and you got a chance to just throw guys out there and give, you know, some some guys some work. It's been a good day to me to get Broxton another inning more. Uh, and yet, you know, he's got Lacure out there. I, I I I don't understand what Price is doing with Sam Lacure. I, I don't either, and and I don't want to draw any. Uh, conclusions necessarily on Price's handling of his bullpen uh, 
I keep saying about the early returns because uh, there are they are early returns. We don't really know what's happening. Uh, early on, I'm as confused as anyone as to why Sam LeCure is not pitching more and not pitching in tighter spots. Now, uh, Brian Price did say, he said a couple times, I think, well, there, there were several games where we were saving him, I was saving him in case uh, we had the lead in the, the ninth and uh, use him for, a, for the save, which concerned me, managing for a stat. Uh, that's classic Dusty Baker, frankly. And not just Dusty Baker. I mean, that's most managers, but um, he, he's been comfortable using lesser pitchers, including Logan Andrusek, for example, in uh, tight spots, when well, he's got Sam LeCure, who's, you know, LeCure's not, uh, you know, Mariano Rivera, but he's probably as effective a reliever as the Reds have right now. And uh, it, it, it's very curious. That's all I can say right now. I, I, yeah, I, I hope to find some rhyme or reason as to uh, the way Price is handling that bullpen. Yeah, I, I don't get it either, you know, and, and hopefully the the we'll find out that Brian Price has a plan for the bullpen that makes some sense to world you know, well, I, I don't know what else to say about it i don't either i don't know it d- doesn't make much sense to us from the sidelines i guess is the way to put it uh most interesting uh batting line from today's game jay bruce one for one four runs scored four walks bruce on base four times um and scores four runs but only goes one for one so on base five times uh, that's not bad. I love seeing that out of Bruce because uh, yeah, but he's, got, he's not driving any runs, so you know he's not. He wasn't real effective today. That's a good point. That, zero, actually, yeah, zero RBIs on the day. So you know, and that's the be all and end all. You know, all you gotta do is listen to Tom Brenneman, and you'll figure that out. Well, true. He does lead the team with eight RBIs on the year, so I guess we'll we'll give him that. But uh, I like it early in the year, you know, and yeah, looking at rate stats, for example, or it's just. It's fun, I guess, to just peruse them, but they're meaningless at this point. But I love the fact that Jay Bruce, who's hitting 179, has an on-base percentage, uh, you know, 180 points higher. So, so Bruce is getting on base, and uh, I hope he's he's always said basically he tries to emulate Votto's approach to the plate. He's not the same kind of hitter as Votto. He's never going to be. But you know, I love the patience. Uh, love seeing him bat uh, fourth. Fifth in the line, fifth today, but he's uh, moved up in the lineup some. Um, I don't know. That, that reminds me, actually. What do we think about Joey Votto batting second? I, I, I don't. I don't think about it. <laughs> I refuse to think about it. Um, I, I don't have a feeling on it. I, you know, I, I just don't. I have a bigger problem with Brandon Phillips in the three spot than I do Joey Votto in the two spot. Well, I think Joey Votto in the two spot is. Uh, Number, two, two things about that. Number one, I think it's absolutely correct, and, and um, I'll, I'll make my case for that in just one second. But the, the thing about it, number two, that does concern me is what you just said. Brandon Phillips, I mean, we, we complain about Brandon Phillips being a number four hitter because he's not a cleanup hitter, but um, <laughs> for the entire history of baseball, the teams basically hit their best hitter third. And, and uh, while I don't think that's the way that you necessarily need to construct a lineup in this day and age, um, Brandon Phillips is at best what fourth, fifth, sixth best hitter in this lineup. So I and, and dropping, not rising. Yeah, I don't understand. Again, I just don't understand why we think uh, Brandon Phillips can be a number three hitter. But um, basically, in terms of Votto betting second, I think that it's smart to try it. The uh, the most recent studies. 
show that uh, a team, for, if you want, for the maximum maximum effectiveness of a lineup, should hit their best player second. And I won't dig into the sabermetrics and the numbers uh, as to why that's the case. Um, but I do think it's worth giving it a serious try. And while we just talked about uh, Brian Price's handling of the bullpen and how that's a little curious, uh, this is some, one of the things where Brian Price is willing to think outside the box a little bit. Why not try it? And uh, it's something that previous administration never would have done. And, uh, you know, it gets him, it'll get him roughly 20% more plate appearances over the course of a season. Uh, and I think that's worth Joey Votto getting as many plate appearances as he can get. Now, again, with Brandon Phillips batting at, behind him, how much does that uh, does that help the Reds? I don't know. Phillips is an RBI guy, right? Yeah, he, uh, yeah, that's right, because that's the beyond end all. But, you know, the other thing is, I, I think the one thing, and, and I will say this in, in Brian Price's defense thus far, he is not afraid to to juggle the lineup. We're, we're, we're already seeing that, moving things around, trying some different things, you know, when things aren't working. Uh, and I will give him credit for that. Um, and before we get too far off the, the red struggles at the, at the plate, I was looking at the team, I'm looking at the team stats. And while, you know, and I don't know whether this is, and I don't know whether this is before today or after today, when the Reds had only scored 40 runs. Uh, St. Louis has only scored 42. Now it's in one less game, you know, and, and the Cubs have scored 43 in, in, in one less game. So it's not like anybody in the division is really tearing it up with the bat, except the Brewers are, are, are playing incredible baseball. Uh, and, and the concern to me is that the Brewers run off and hide. Uh, do I really believe they'll do that? No, but but it, it is when teams playing as well as they are right now early, you got to be concerned. You're looking at the numbers after today because before today the Reds were at 28 runs. Uh, okay, so they, so they took scored 30 percent of their runs this year today. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Almost almost half of what they scored in the first 11 games. Yeah. Um. So. That's fun with uh, baseball stats. Fun with numbers. Fun with numbers. There you go. Uh, yeah, and you know, looking through, through up and down the line, we've sort of beaten today's game uh, enough, I guess. There's not a whole lot else to talk about today's game, other than I want to get into some some Mesoraco talk. But looking at the Reds' hitting stats early on, uh, it's ugly, first of all. But Phillips has not been bad early on. Uh, quite the contrary. No. I don't expect that to necessarily last. But but then I can I look at him hitting three twenty seven. And I look at uh, Jay Bruce hitting 179, but they have identical 353 on base percentages, which uh, is a pretty good reflection of what they contribute. And Jay Bruce actually, uh, let's see, a little bit, a little bit behind in uh, in OPS. So just a little bit, yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, really not not a whole lot of offensively, not a whole lot of um, production. I guess is, is the word I'm looking for. Other than Joey Votto has not been like we expect Joey Votto to be. Chris Heisey has been pretty good in uh, just uh, uh, a handful of games. Yeah, it's a spot play. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, we've only had him back four games. But let's go ahead and, and talk about him. Devin Mazzarocco, uh do you expect him to bat 500 the rest of the season? I guess that's my uh, first question. I think if he bats 500 the rest of the season, he, he'll probably win the MVP. You think so? I think he probably will. I'd say they'll probably give it to Yadier Molina anyway. <laughs> um, he, I'm you, he's been he's not only been uh, you know small sample size whatever, but he has been hitting the ball hard uh, almost every time up to the plate. Yeah, he really has. He just looks like a completely different player. Looks like a more confident player, which may have something to do with the fact that the Reds over the off season 
said, hey, you're our guy. This is your spot. Uh, be comfortable. Don't worry about uh, um, having to win a spot. Don't worry about having to keep a spot in the lineup that you're only going to get two, uh, two games a week. You're our guy. And, and you know, Brian Pena, uh, backing him up, has been almost as good. But Mezzarocco, wow. Uh, could not have been a better start to the season for him. No, it really couldn't. And and, and I, I, it's funny because I was wondering. I went and looked today at the uh, at his splits, and I, and I was saying, well, maybe you know, these games that he's played have been mostly against left-handed pitching, but they're not. He's played more against right-handed pitching than he has left-handed pitching, and, and he's still killing it. And if, if Devin continues to hit right-handed pitching well, he's going to have a big year because he hits. I mean, we know he can hit left-handed pitching. And again, he's only got fourteen at bats. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have, we're not we're not cashing in our chips or anything, but it, it, it's. I'd rather be talking about this than talking about him being two for fourteen. Exactly, and you know, Mezzarocco hitting well. This is one of the reasons why I'm. I guess I'm trying to look at the glass half full, but one of the things that I thought the Reds needed to do was you had to have a little bit better production. Not necessarily a ton of better production, but a little bit better production out of several guys around the diamond offensively. Mezzarocco was one of those, and he was one of the guys that I thought was could maybe substantially improve over his previous numbers. Uh, and, and the Reds are going to need that to obviously cover for uh, the loss of Shinsu Chu out of the lineup. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully. Um, still not getting a whole lot out of uh, left field. Not got getting much of anything out of center field. And uh, at some point, we're going to – it's not the time yet. At some point, we're going to have to get concerned about the lack of offense out of those two spots, other than Chris Heisey when he's been able to play. Yeah, and you, and you wonder when you're going to start seeing more out of Chris, you know, more at least giving him a chance to start a few more ball games. Uh, he's swinging the bat well, you know, whether it's small sample size or the or the adjustment he made in spring training with his hands and, and being more relaxed with his hands down. I don't know. I hope I hope it's the latter and not the former. Um, but you know. If Billy Hamilton continues to struggle and, and Ryan Ludwig continues to be Ryan Ludwig, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to find a place for Chris Heisey to get some more bats. Well, you would think there's would be plenty of opportunities with uh, with Ludwig and with uh, Billy Hamilton both struggling somewhat. Uh, well, Billy Hamilton is more than just somewhat struggling. Uh, yeah, one fifty four batting average, one ninety five uh, on base percentage, one fifty four slugging. Uh, not exactly what we were hoping for out of Billy Hamilton, although it's pretty much in line with what we all feared, I guess. Um, but I, feel, I feel bad for the kid. I, I you know, I, I, you know, I, there was a lot. There's a lot of pressure on him, and and, and it just, it, you know, he, he's had, he had one good game, and and boy, I tell you what, it was an incredible ball game. Um, John Arardi called it maybe one of the Reds' 20 best single game performances ever. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you saw that article. Uh, it was an interesting article, you know, but I think it, I, it all, it almost seemed to me like it was something John said as a throwaway line in an interview and then he went, Oh crap. And then he had to find a way to write an article about it. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know that. But, I mean, but he did. It was a pretty incredible game that he played that day. Um, and people thought, well, maybe he's turning the corner, but boy, there sure didn't, I mean, the, when I've seen him, there sure doesn't seem to be any sign of him turning any kind of corner. No, but before we talk about how bad he's been any further, let's talk about the the little uh, short fl- pop uh, pop fly, just barely out into the grass uh, in right field that Jay Bruce hit, and Hamilton tags up and scores. Have you ever seen anything like that in the major no, leagues? Absolutely not, and 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 it wasn't even close at the plate. No, it wasn't close. 
just so you see things like that and you think, oh wow, if he could just get on base, this is a guy that could disrupt uh, everything. But he's not getting on base, and and I think he's being done a disservice by Brian Price hitting him first in the lineup. This is a guy that uh, needs to hit eighth in the lineup probably until he gets his feet under him. Of course, as Richard Fitch, uh, one of our fellow editors at Red Leg Nation, said this week, he said, "You can't bet everybody in the lineup eighth. <laughs> you know, no, not many others are are producing either." Yeah, that, that's true. But you know, being a, a rookie and, and and he's a young guy on top of that, um, Stated pressure being at the top of the order. Yeah. It really is, and, and 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 I wish he'd you know, and, I, and we said all along if he could get on base at a three ten, three twenty clip, I mean he'd probably be a rookie of the year candidate, you know, well, with his speed and his ability to disrupt ball. And and, and I think I, re- I think I read the other day that Votto has talked about that Billy Hamilton has kind of been the first guy that's ever kind of protected him in the lineup because he feels like he's seeing better pitches. They said he said you know they, they, he got a home he got a home run the other night on a pitch when. Hamilton was on, in the ball game, I believe, and was on base. And, and you know, they they had gotten Votto on a curveball earlier, and they threw him a fastball. And you have to assume it was because Votto or because Hamilton was on base, and Joey took it out. So, you know, yeah, I, yeah, he he did say that, and um, it make it makes all the sense in the world. And that's another reason why Votto to the two hole in the lineup is uh, could maybe be an, an interesting experiment. Because he's never had anybody like this. He's had Brandon Phillips sitting in front of him and Zach Cozart and uh, Drew Stubbs. Drew Stubbs. Yeah. So, um, of course, but, the the key in that scenario, though, is that Hamilton's got to be on base in front of him. And, and, and you know, as I used to, as I said all the time about when Deion Sanders played for the Reds, you can't steal first base. <laughs> you just went to the Deion Sanders comparison, didn't you? Well, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a legitimate comparison. I, I you know. They're both extraordinary athletes. They're both. I've never seen anybody faster going first to third than Deion Sanders till I saw Billy Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, or, or home plate to third. And you know, so I think the comparison is a logical one, and I just hope Billy ends up being a much better ball player than than Deion was. Well, Billy has some of the tools, and uh, we're not anywhere close to giving up on Billy Hamilton yet. No, 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 absolutely not. And and and, and, and you and I have said it for a million years. Young players struggle. You know, I'm going to have that tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, he he needs to be lower in the lineup, I guess. Is it, for now, anyway. At some point, you hope he's going to work his way into being a legitimate, legitimate center fielder and leadoff hitter. Center fielder is doing fine defensively. Uh, it's the it's the bat that's not working. Offensively, uh, Zach Cozart is being Zach Cozart. I'm afraid uh, Frazier. I don't know. I expect a little more out of Frazier, but uh, I don't know. He's been okay uh, here and there. Not a whole lot else to talk about. I mean, last in the majors in runs scored before today, and I guess they moved up on the charts today. I haven't checked, but yeah, they're in fact they're not even last in the National League anymore. Well, see, there you go. The season is already turning around. We're climbing, baby. We're oh, climbing. Man. We choose but, to be optimistic. Well, we try. You choose. I try. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> All right, anybody else on the offense we need to talk about? Because there's lots of pitching uh, we need to talk about. Well, I, you talked about Pena, and Pena's played pretty well offensively. Um, Ludwig Bailey, uh, they did, our, our, and, and we got it. We have to say farewell to our buddy Tucker Barnhart. Um, when, but Devin, he, when Devin was uh, activated the other day, Tucker was sent back to Louisville, and we'll see Tucker again. Tucker acquitted himself very well in the major leagues in his first taste of it, didn't he? Yes, he did. I, I mean. 
he went two for eight, which is probably two more hits than they expected him to have in a couple of all games that he played, you know, that he started. And and defensively, I th- thought he looked as good as anybody. I mean, he threw out a runner. He, he frames the ball very well. He, he and, if I, and watching Pena, to me, that's my biggest argument with, with, with when Pena catches this. He moves around too much behind the plate. You know, we got again again this weekend, and, and our, our our old buddy Ryan Ludwig was back in town catching yesterday and today. Ryan Hannigan. Uh, that's what I meant, Ryan Hannigan. Thank you. And he is just so calm behind the plate. I mean, he's just steady. You know, he's not jumping all over the place. He gives the umpire a chance to make the call. And and Pena, you know, it, but I think you know Tucker Barnhart could be a a, a Ryan Hannigan type of player. Oh, no question. And he, he's gonna. That's how he's gonna make his money. Yep, with his glove, with his defense, with his arm. Yep, and he's a good kid. And he's, and I really look forward to seeing him back uh, in the big leagues at some point. Um, you know, the Reds' hitting we talked about has been awful. We'll get into the pitching in a moment, which has been by and large pretty good. The defense, by and large, has been pretty good. The we're still seeing though some of the sort of brain dead uh, plays on the base paths, especially that we saw. It, under the previous regime, yeah. I've not I've not seen a whole lot of difference in that respect. Have you? No, I, I can understand physical errors. You know, you miss a ball or you strike out or, or whatever. Mental, dumb mental baseball just sends me right over the edge. And the Reds have been doing a bunch of that uh, this weekend. I mean. Um, Saturday and, and today, the base running has been horrendous. And, 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 and I'm not blaming it all on the players. Uh, uh, Steve Smith, the, the new third base coach, yesterday sent Votto to the plate with no outs, and he was out from here to New Jersey. And not even close. Yeah. And then, and then Phillips trying to steal third with a left-handed hitter up and – Ryan Hannigan behind the plate didn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. And how many how many of these contact plays from third base have we had guys thrown out at the plate on already this year? Hundred? Uh, at least a hundred, <laughs> maybe maybe two hundred. Yes. Um, you know, and I had another one today. They ended up getting two guys thrown out at the you know at the plate on the same play today. I don't know if I'd ever seen that before. I'm sure our buddy Joe Luckup will find uh, when it's happened before. How many times and. Uh, uh, have and that report phase, for us. And what the phase of the moon was. Exactly. Uh, yeah, the base running has not improved, and it's not – it's just dumb stuff, as I'm way for me to describe it. Getting guys thrown out at the plate. And, and, and Brandon Phillips, let's just be clear here, Brandon Phillips should never try to steal a base as far as I'm concerned. I agree. Now, that one he got thrown out at third base, the replay showed he may have been safe. The umpire may have blown that call, but I, I don't care. It's not a, a good uh, – you're not playing the percentages when you send Brandon Phillips. Now, whether he was sent or went on his own, who knows? But just that's it's brain dead. Well, and, and it's not only like I said, it's not only the players; it's also the coaching staff. Yeah, and, and, and which makes you think that it's it's systematic to the team. You know, it's it's a and I understand when you're you're struggling to score runs. You know, you're trying to make something happen, and, and you know, but good lord, you don't take leave of your good senses. What happened on that one where uh, Smith sent Votto home? I mean, I understand, like you, you want to be aggressive, try to get that run across. The Reds were struggling to score. They needed that run. But, I mean, you know, 
No one could, would have thought Votto was going to score on that. I don't. I can't think any way that he could have gotten in his head that Smith could have gotten in his, in his head that there was any chance whatsoever that Votto was going to score on that play. It just oh. it blows my mind. Yeah, and 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 on what planet is it not better to have first and third and no outs, you know, than a runner on second base and, and run us in and, and out? You know, even if even if you get first and third and you're worried about the double play, you're still going to probably score the run on a double play ball because there were no outs. So you're still going to get that run if the worst thing that you can think of happens on the next with the next hitter and he hits into a double play. Right. And and, and the guy, you know, he took some ownership of it, you know, in the media after the game, but that doesn't help you. You know, you got to know that at the time. And and uh, I was never a Mark Barry fan as a third base coach, much less a Chris Spire fan when they had him out there when Barry was was off, but. Steve Smith's making me long for the days of Mark Barry. <laughs> yeah, that's saying something. And this is the big leagues, okay? You you can't learn on the job, and that really concerns me. Um, do you do you see some of that in Brian Price? I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, one way to look at it is uh, he's and this. We talked about it with his willingness to move the lineup around, things like that. He's uh, not afraid to to mix things up to see what works correct for this team. You could maybe even say that about the Sam LeCure situation that he's you know, trying to to fill out the different roles. Maybe it is some of that uh, trying to learn learn on the job. I, I don't attribute a whole lot of uh, what's happened to Brian Price's inexperience as a manager. I mean, he's been it on major league benches for how many years now? Um, it's yeah. not like it's not like he's never seen the way things work at the major league level and, and been involved in the process before. I, I tend to agree with then, you know, and what, what brought it to my mind was, you know, last weekend in New York on Saturday, you know, he had LeCure for an inning and, and decided to pull him. And then Hoover gets hammered, in the, you know, and, and he threw a really good inning, 11 pitches, got three outs. And then he pulled him, brought in Hoover and Hoover got lit up and they lost the ball game. But the next day he kept par in for two innings. You know, which is what, you know, many of us even on Saturday, but, you know, not even looking back said he should have done with LeCure. So, you know, what made him change his mind from one day to the other? And that's the kind of the thing that, that frustrates me with some of our beat writers. They won't ask those kinds of questions. Yeah, did he, is it, is that a lesson he learned the day before? Yeah. You're right. He did let Parra go. Parra got the save, his first major league save, I believe, and, uh, and pitched effectively that day. Why not, why not LeCure the day before who, I think we would all agree, uh, even though we've become pretty big fans of Manny Parra over the last couple of years, uh, LeCure is better, you would think, a better reliever than, than Manny Parra. So. Well, and, and in addition to the, I mean, and, 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 and I think we talked about this before, you know, it wasn't, it's no slam on Hoover. You know, I, we both think the world of J.J. Hoover, but I, we, I don't understand. And, and he didn't address, they, in fact, he was asked after the game if he gave any consideration of leaving LeCure in for a second inning, and he said no. And the, to me, the natural follow-up question is, well, why not? And, and that's question. If it was asked, it wasn't answered, and wasn't you know wasn't made clear to the to the fans that it was even asked. And that's the kind of thing that frustrates me with the, with the local media at times. Well, I'm willing to give uh, Price the benefit of the doubt on that. Uh, you know, he's been managing major league uh, pitching staffs for a while, and. He's been involved in those discussions about when to throw who, and uh, you know he he has learned from uh, Dusty when Dusty would do things. I'm sure that he didn't agree with. He's developed his own idea of what the right thing is to do. So, 
he's, he's done such a good job with the pitching staff over the last few years. I, I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I, guess I agree, I, but, but, but my argument is then why not explain it so that the fans aren't, 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 doing, aren't doing what we're doing? Well, Red's, man, Red's uh, management has never, as long as I can remember, been required to explain much of anything to anyone. That's kind of well. I, I won't. I won't speak for every. But you know, as a Bengal fan, I can tell you the coaching staff there doesn't like to explain their decisions either. So right. Um. Well, let's let's go ahead and delve into the pitching staff since we're talking about uh, Brian Price, our, our old pitching coach, and without question, I would think the biggest surprise of the season thus far, our guy Alfredo Simon pitched two games. Uh, you know, he's he's out because he's in the rotation now. Because Latos is hurt, more on that in a moment. Yeah. Um, Alfredo Simon two two games. He's on 15 total innings, uh, went eight innings in his last start, seven in the start before. ERA 1.2. I mean, the guy's given up two earned runs in, in two starts. Uh, what can you say about Alfredo Simon? He's looked not just good. He's looked dominant, and, and this is a guy who's not started a game in what five or six years. Yeah, and and just well, I, I've been and I've said this. I may have said this on here, but I've said it to some other people. I don't know which is Brian Price's biggest, bigger accomplishment: what he's done with Manny Parr, or what he's done with Alfredo Simon since coming to this team. But he's taken two guys that were not effective anywhere else, and has made them very effective here. Alfredo Simon was released by the Baltimore Orioles when the Reds picked him up. I mean, they just you know gave him away. They didn't need him. And I'll never forget the reaction that I, probably you and I had right here on the podcast when they kept Simon on the roster that year for opening day and sent Todd Frazier down to the minors. Now, I still believe it was uh, just a, not a good decision to put, keep Todd Frazier in the minors because they brought Frazier up later. He ended up having a great year, and he could have helped the team from day one. Uh, but as it turns out, keeping Alfredo Simon was absolutely the correct decision because uh, – he, he went from being a guy that was discarded by the Orioles to a guy that uh, gets better and better and better, been an effective reliever since the beginning with the Reds. And now he said he wants to be a starter. Um, anytime there's a uh, – we talked about what are the Reds going to do if anyone gets hurt, I'm starting to get comfortable with the idea that Simon being that guy, that the sixth sixth starter to step in there if anyone gets hurt this year because he's just uh, – he's been unfazed by the uh, move to the to the rotation. Well, and, he, and he's filled every role they've asked him to fill since he since he came to the team. I mean, he's he's pitched a, you know a one hitter. He's pitched a couple innings. He's you know, now he's you know he's pitched long relief. He's now he's doing some spots. You know, he's doing the, he's filling in in the rotation for Latos. And we don't know how long he's going to be in the lo- rotation for Latos. Yeah. Oh. Um, before we before we talk about Latos, that's the elephant in the room, I guess. Uh, Johnny Cueto has been very good. So far this year, uh, Mike Leak and we ca- talked about Singrani also. Those four guys have all been superb uh, as starters. Yep. There's Quite, one name that you haven't mentioned. Uh, I don't. I don't know who you're talking about. The big money guy is is, is everybody on you know the, the poor Homer Bailey. He's been bad, yeah. He, he's been bad, but it's what is it? Two starts, I think. Two starts, yes. And, and you know, guys, are, oh, he's not worth the money. Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> oh my lord, folks, take a chill pill. <laughs> I mean, 
Homer's going to be fine. Bill, for that much money, he should be doing better than a 7.71 ERA. I give up. I give up on him. I'll tell you what. I'll bet you my house against your house on August the 1st is ERA's less than (laughs) 7.71. Yeah, I'm not going to take that sucker bet. Um, I'd bet Hoover's is going to be less than 19.29, too, so. Yeah, probably. I'm, I'm not sure that Trevor Bells will get below 67.5, though. Oh, but he's always <laughs> hurt. That's why he went on the DL. You know? Yeah, inflamed ERA. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. But, but, but folks, don't get overreact. Off, get off Homer's back. Homer's going to be fine. Yeah. I, uh, Homer Bailey's one of the, the last people I'm concerned about on this yep. team. He's right. had a, he's had a couple of, uh, less than stellar starts, but come on. Um, we, Homer Bailey is what I mean, we know what he is. The last uh, two or three seasons, he's been uh, gotten a little better each year, but pretty much the same pitcher, an effective right-handed starter. Give him, give him a chance. Uh, back off him a little bit. Um, you know, Mike Leake, two starts though, very, very effective. Not and a, stri- and a big start against the Cardinals. Big Huge start against the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, not striking out a lot of guys, but. Uh, he counters that with, by the fact that he doesn't walk very many either. Right. Uh, Singrani, you know, has started three games now. His, he, he, his strikeout rate, strikeouts per nine innings, over ten strikeouts per nine innings. I mean, this guy, and, and just basically throwing two pitches. He's a he's a bulldog. He's fun to watch. Uh, I'm so glad that guy's a red. Um, let's see. Simon not, you know, Simon, Alfredo Simon not striking out. A, a ton of batters, but he's not. His control has been fantastic. Yep. Those four starters have been—you could not have asked for any more. And, and I'm really happy to see Cueto after all the injuries, and then of course the disastrous way the season ended last year in the, in the playoffs, bounce right back and be the the sort of ace that we all think he's got the talent to be. Um, plus, his hair is even longer than it's ever been. So, uh, <laughs> good for you, Cueto. Well, and you know when you got three starters where their whip is less than yeah. one and a quarter, that's pretty strong. Yeah, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Um, you know, and, and let, let's say this: if I had the same type of hair, if I had as much hair as Quato had, I'd wear it the exact same style. So, um, that'd be a good look for you. It would be a good look. It would. Um, do we? Uh, we got Jonathan Broxton back now, who is uh, again, he is who he is at this point in his career, but he's better than. The Trevor Bells of the world, I would say. We still got Curtis Parch. Boy, Marty was giving Curtis Parch uh, down the road in the ninth inning today. Um, up eight runs and walks uh, walks a couple guys. He, uh, Marty was laying into him. So, probably Let me guess this young man will never make it to the big <laughs> Well, that that may be one of the uh, Marty's predictions that he gets right. Uh, uh, the big redhead is. Uh, yeah, I like the guy, but I'm not sure how much longer he's going to be around. Then again, it's not like Sean Marshall's ever going to get healthy, so maybe maybe Parch will be around. Um, so with, in terms of the pitching staff, Cristiani had a rough outing today, but he's uh, you got to think Parch is the one to. Well, I don't know who goes because Parch is not actually given up a, a run yet, but he's walked as many as he struck out. Uh, I don't know. I hope that there's a a decision that they force very soon with uh, Marshall being back, but I'm not ever getting my hopes up for Marshall. Yeah, and, and at this point, it looks like it's going to be Marshall before Latos. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, let's I, talk. I would think. I mean, that's the way it sounds to me. 
Let's talk about Matt Latos. Uh, a couple days ago, the reports came out that uh, he had a setback, be, and the reason for the setback that was announced a couple days ago it was that he had some tightness in his forearm. Now, when I hear that, the first thing that goes through my head is Tommy John, because that's uh, guys that have Tommy John. That's a common sort of precursor tightness in their forearm. Now they, had an, they gave him an MRI. They didn't do like Joey Votto and wait six months to do the MRI. They went ahead and gave him an MRI, and they diagnosed him with a flexor mass strain, and they're shutting him down for 10 to 14 days. It's a setback in his recovery, Brian Price says. How concerned are you about this? Extremely. For, 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 for two reasons. One is I wouldn't let the Reds medical staff treat a goldfish. <laughs> Not even a goldfish. Not even a goldfish. Not even a free goldfish that I want at the church bazaar. <laughs> wow. Much less a multi-million dollar pitcher. Yeah. And the other is I have some friends of mine that are, that are season ticket holders, and they were at an event yesterday. It was a picture session, you know, where you could get your picture taken with the players. And Latos was telling people he couldn't get his picture taken with people because he didn't, he couldn't have anybody bump his arm. Oh gosh. Yeah. That's concerning. Now maybe he was just being overly cautious and I hope that's what the case was because I've never heard of him, you know, being anti-fan or not wanting to, you know, be, you know, do these kinds of events. So I'm hoping he was just being overly cautious and then we're not worried about anything, but, but the track record, I, I mean, you know, we could, we could document the track record of the history of the Reds, you know, and, and the only thing I can say is they must work cheap, the Reds medical staff. Cause they're just wrong. So they're, they're, they're like the weathermen of baseball. <laughs> you know, you know, they got it. Anyway, I'm not going to go on, you know, but I, and I, and I've said this and I think I've said this. I have another friend that, was going for PT to uh, cram, you know, to 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 a, to a uh, clinic, and and they said that unless you're an elbow or a shoulder, they wouldn't let Cramcheck touch them. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's you know, and I and I, you know, these are unsubstantiated stories that I've been told, but you know, that's just my opinion. And, and over the years, I've watched the Reds personnel be misdiagnosed again and again. I mean, how many times have we talked about it? Yeah, yeah, this is one of the drums you've been beating for a while, and and someone sarcastically said to me on Twitter uh, there a couple days ago, "Don't worry, Latos is in the very best of medical hands." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, thanks, thanks for that." You know, maybe here's what I choose. That's that's assuming that the other possibility that they'd hire is Doctor Kavorkian. <laughs> I choose to believe that uh, it's just a, a a setback and that uh, he's going to be fine, but. Uh, because that's what the Reds are saying. But then again, the Reds have never once uh, been frank uh, with the press, and, and I, for, they don't have to tell us the truth. I no, guess. And, 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 and you know, and in these days with HIPAA laws and all those kinds of things, you know, they have to get the athletes. Uh, I, I say so. I would assume I'm yeah. releasing medical yeah. inter- information anyway. Right. So. Uh, but but I will tell you the one thing, and I and I read it today, and I'm not even sure. I assume I read it in the Enquirer. I can't remember for sure. Is Matt Latos is very frustrated. You know, when he's being taught, questioned by the press, he, he's saying he, he's saying things like, uh, and this isn't an exact quote, but you know, how can I express this to tell you how much I'm flipping out? You know. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, I feel bad for the kid. 
you know, because it sounds like he really wants to be out there. You know, he sees his team struggling and he can't help. And, and you know, ever since he had his elbow done over the winter, it doesn't sound like he's caught a break. You know, that, the knee, and now the forearm. And, and it's, you know, it's it, it concerns me. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, as happy as I am with the way Simon is throwing, Right. I sure don't want to count on him for 30 starts. Right. We, we need Matt Latos back. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel bad for the kid, too. Surgery in October to remove those bone chips from his elbow. So elbow surgery, uh, surgery to repair a meniscus cartilage in his left knee, and then now uh, soreness in the elbow and, and right, right forearm, stiffness in the right forearm. So, ugh. Yeah, I, I just found the quote. He says, I'm trying to think of the polite way to say this without flipping out. It's just frustrating to go out here and not be able to throw. Yeah. Yeah, you got to feel bad for the kid, and I really hope he's not being mismanaged. I did not go to medical school, contrary to some reports. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the proper course of treatment is, but I think there's enough. We've been burned. Uh, the, Joe Fan has been burned enough times by what the Reds say or, or what they diagnose, and then it'd be something much, much worse. Uh, been burned enough that I think you're right to be wary about it. The Reds may be absolutely 100% above board. Uh, in terms of what they're saying right now about the uh, just being a setback, and uh, hopefully a couple weeks he'll be okay. But I guess maybe this is just me being pessimistic, but I keep hearing that forearm stiffness, and I keep thinking Tommy John, and it makes my just my stomach hurt. Yep, and we you know we've gone through the the Joey Votto, the you know the Ken Griffey Juniors, the. The day to days that, that turned into you know six weeks and, and right. two months, and you know, and at some point you you have to be you just become a skeptic. Well, part of my unease as well is that this seems to be National Tommy John Surgery Month amongst uh, big league pitchers because it seems like there's a new one every day. Uh, the Braves have had like 48 pitchers undergo Tommy John uh, surgery over the last. Uh, <laughs> couple months and that's on their major league roster exactly uh, you know so it's it's like there's something in the water in the major leagues and so that's that's Actually, also there, contributing there to my in, there was an article in usa today this week talking about the the spike in tommy john surgeries this year yeah it's been crazy it's yeah been, um, it's been ridiculous so I, I hate to even mention that word and i apologize to all the listeners uh, both of you uh yeah mom and that other guy for uh for mentioning that but it, that that scares me to think that uh, all the talent Latos has got this could be something something worse. So fingers crossed. Yep. All right. Well, you know the Reds have the uh, looking over the next uh, couple weeks. Got seven games with the Pirates, three with uh, the Fuzzy Cubbies. So uh, I don't know. You know, uh, can the can the Reds get things? ironed out here over the next couple of weeks. How are you feeling about it? Well, I think the games against the Pirates are, are going are, are to be, excuse me, very telling. Um, it, it's a very intense rivalry. The two teams flat don't like each other. Um, they generally play good tight ball games for the most part. Um, but if the Reds, I mean, the Reds have to play well, or they could again, you know, they could be buried before the end of the month. You know, and the other thing is, the last, at the very end of the month, again, they, they got to go to Atlanta. Yeah. Playing, there's nobody pitching better than the Braves right now, and then early May, they got the Brewers coming in. 
Then they go to Boston. <laughs> so, yeah, the schedule has not been kind early this year. It doesn't really get a whole lot easier until you get into the second, almost the second week in May. I mean, it's you know you get the Cubs a couple of times, but you know, the, other than that, everything's going to be a challenge. But you know, win a game or two, look up at the end of April, and they're somewhere around five hundred. At that point, maybe you can get a little bit uh, optimistic because you know. Um, who knows, I guess, if you, if you go through that rough stretch and actually survive, uh, that'll make me, uh, hope for the best. But as of now, I'm not, uh, I'm not looking forward to this next couple of weeks. I'm, I'm just afraid that it could get ugly if the offense doesn't really pick it up soon. They, they've got to be competitive when the color, by the, they've got to be competitive and playing good baseball by the time Colorado comes in here on Friday the 9th of May. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not going to be easy. I mean, they've got some, some – it's a tall order. You know, only two teams in the league have uh, given up as many runs as the Reds pitching staff has, and that's the, the Braves and, of course, Milwaukee, who's been playing just unbelievably. So, You mean given up the, the, as le- as the least give, amount of runs like the Reds have? Yeah, they're, they're, they're the only clubs that have given up fewer runs. And yeah. so, um, man, the Reds pitching has been good. It's just going yeah, to – the defense has been good. It's just going to take – uh, better, uh, more, less, fewer brain dead plays on the base pass, and just, you know, what else can you say? They've got a hit now. I just don't know if this lineup will ever hit like we want it to hit, but they're, they can't be as bad as they've been, can they? Well, no, you can't. You have to believe they can. I mean, Jay, you know, Jay, and, and, and the guys, even the guys that we expected to, to be consistent haven't haven't really been themselves. And Jay Bruce and Joey Votto. I think Brandon Phillips has kind of been himself. I think he is what he, you know, what we've seen uh, for good and ill. Uh, Frazier may be himself. He, you know, maybe we get a little bit more out of Frazier. You can't expect Devin Mazzarocco to continue to hit the way he is because, you know, that we, we, we'd be all right if he hit 500. Um, but, you know, Price is going to have to move some things around. They've got to get more production out of left and center field. They've got to get some more production out of shortstop. Now, Cozart had a better day today, and he had a hit yesterday. Hopefully, you know, he's going to get his feet on the ground. And, you know, he's not going to be a great hitter, but – he can't be two for 38 or whatever he was, you know, going into yesterday. Right, exactly. But, again, as you said, there's reason to believe that this offense is going to be maybe even significantly better. So um, we, we say it often, and I have to, I've had to keep reminding myself this over the last two weeks. A team's never as good as they look on their best day. But, listen, a team is never as bad as they look at the, at the worst of times either. So this, this is not – this may not be a pennant-winning Reds team. This is not a, a you know last place in the National League Central team either, in my opinion. Um, they'll turn it around. They are right now. Well, you and your facts. Tell your facts to shut up. The, the, uh, the frustrating, the frustrating thing to me is how many how many really good pitching performances they've wasted in the first couple of weeks of the season, um, where it wouldn't have taken many much for them to win two, three, four more ball games. Uh, you know they played they played very good games against the Cardinals. They were all tight. Um, they, you know the games in New York. I, I losing two out of three of the Mets is 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 unacceptable. But you know the Friday night game they got beat four to three. The Saturday game they gave away. You know, but they've wasted some really good pitching performance. These first two games of this this Tampa Bay series. You know losing two to one and one to nothing. I mean, it's just horrible. And the only run they scored in those two games was a home run. Yeah, yeah. So, 
they, they've certainly wasted uh, some good pitching performances. But uh, while the, the pitching may not be able to to sort of hold up to the standard that they have previously right. set, um, the offense is not this bad either. So. And, and the pitching is going to be good, it, you know. They're 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 going to go as far as the as this is the pitching carries them overall for the season. But yeah, and we've said that from the beginning. The offense absolutely. just has to be good enough. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've sort of beaten the 2014 Reds to death. Uh, any other thoughts about the current version of the Reds? No, we're just all you know. We're just going to continue to keep an eye on Latos and and and. You know, Sean Marshall, there was something today. I think they're talking about him going to a rehab start in the next week. Man, blah, 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 blah. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'll believe it when it happens. You know, whenever they talk about Marshall anymore, I've gotten to the point where it's kind of like, you know, listening to Charlie Brown's teacher. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, uh, it's going to get better. Step away from the ledge, uh, Reds fans. It's, it, it, they're not this bad. How good they can be, we don't know, but they're not this bad. Now, Monday, Pete Rose turns 73. thought we might take a moment here to talk about Pete Rose. And, and Chris Garber at uh, Red Leg Nation has a, uh, a fun little sort of retrospective of some pictures from the Getty Images archive of our, our guy Pete Rose, him strutting around Pitt Road at the 1981 Daytona 500 and um, laughing around with uh, Dave Concepcion and in a 1977 jockey underwear ad that you really need to try to avoid that picture. Yeah, you nobody needs to see that one. Yeah, that's not good. But uh, you you watched Pete play as a young guy. Yep. What what are your when you think of and, and we're all sick of at least I am sick of the the whole argument Pete Hall of Fame you know etc. Uh, without talking about that, let's talk about some of your memories of Pete. As a player, if, if if you have something you wanted to share, because he's... well, I, I I'm a I, I am I was am and always will be a huge Pete Rose as a player fan. That's I mean, why I just, that's why I wanted to talk about this with you. I knew that. Um, I, you know, I had a I won't say I had a personal relationship, but I had he he lived in the in the apartments that my grandparents managed like his rookie year. I can remember watching home movies in his apartment with him and his wife. You know, when I was I was probably six, seven. He used to he used to offer my grandpa tickets to the ballpark at Crosley Field every night. Um, I can remember Pete coming back to West High. Uh, I went to the same high school Pete went to uh, for a dedication of the, the street next to the school is named Pete Rose Drive or Pete Rose Street. I don't remember. Um, and that's just you know off the field stuff. I, I can remember. The first playoff game I ever went to was in the 73 playoffs against the Mets. And I, I think Pete hit the game winner in the ninth inning. They won, they beat Seaver two to one on a home run by Bench and Rose. And I think Bench hit his earlier and I think Rose hit the one in the ninth inning to win the game. And we were sitting in the yellow seats down the left field line and he hit it right under us. Um, I remember, you know, the, the, the 75 World Series. I remember the 72 World Series when they got beat by the A's, and, and it just broke my heart, my little 14-year-old heart. And uh, Pete went over to the A's locker room after losing a seven-game World Series that was tight all the way through to congratulate the A's, which I to me showed what a class act Pete was on the field. 
You know, and I'm not talking, I, I'm not getting into the gambling thing or any of that stuff. I've never heard anybody have say that Pete Rose was anything but a class act on the field. Uh, George Foster, I think, has been quoted as saying that when he came up to the Reds, Pete Rose was the first guy that came over and introduced himself and said, welcome to the ball club, kind of made him feel at home. Because that had happened to Pete. You know, I, from what I remember reading, um, it was Frank Robinson and Veda Pinson that kind of took Pete under their arm, under their wing, you know, when he was a rookie. Right. And, uh, you know, I remember the 75 series. Uh, I remember as well the 73 playoffs, the fight with Bud Harrelson. Um, and man, did I hate the Mets. Oh gosh. Um, and, you know, losing to a team in the playoffs that when, you know, when you were a big red machine fan in the early 70s, that's probably the thing that kills big red fans probably more than anything was losing the 73 playoffs to a Mets team. It really wasn't very good. Yeah. Uh, they had really good pitching, and the Reds couldn't beat Matt Lack and Kuzman. Um, 75 World Series, you know, the, the game six, you know, which is, you know, you know, we beat that to death. But, you know, if you think about Pete Rose, you know, that, that head first slide in, in that series is probably something that everybody remembers, you know. It, it, it was shown on, it's been shown on every highlight reel forever. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know I remember it breaking my heart when Pete left town. You know, I was in the Navy then. Um, I was at the ballpark the first night Pete came back as manager. And let me tell you, I have never heard the ballpark as loud as it was that night. When he hit that first ball and it went for, I don't know if it was rule or triple, but I remember he went head first into third base. I thought the roof was coming off the place. <laughs> it was, it was just extraordinary. I mean, and it was, it was a shame he never got him over the hump. And, you know, and then the gambling stuff took over. You, you, you know, I've often wondered whether they would have been the same team in 1990 if, if Pete would have still been the manager and, you know, or whether they needed a change to, to push him over the top. And, and the Hall of Fame thing, to, to, the, to me, the argument that I, that's never made and that I don't understand, I guess, is that there's a difference between Pete Rose's career as a player and Pete Rose's career as a manager and the gambling and all that stuff. And, and why can't the Hall of Fame put Pete Rose in for what he did as a player rather than, than dragging the gambling into it? Because there was none of those, I don't, I, at least I've never heard any of those things being said that Pete ever did any of that kind of stuff when he was actively playing. And, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I, I've just missed that. But to me, it, it, it invalidates the Hall of Fame when, when you've got uh, a Hall of Fame and you don't have the all-time hits leader and a guy that played more winning baseball games than any other player in their history, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. Well, we need way more than an hour to discuss the, the ins and the outs of the Pete Rose uh, Hall Absolutely. of Fame case, etc. But, you know, I've been trying. And there are valid arguments on all sides. There are, but I, I've been trying to, because I'm that argument has become tiresome. People have dug in their heels and uh, made their mind up on that in, in many instances. But but I thought it would be fun, uh, and I appreciate your, your your memories, your comments about Pete, because Pete is not the greatest player hitter of all time. Okay, he has more hits than everyone. He's not the greatest hitter. He uh, you know had some flaws perhaps, but this guy was a force of nature on the field. He was a very very good player. Um, he was a guy that would do, literally do anything that it took. Uh, he moved around. The story that I always think about with Pete is um, asked to move to third base. Because they need to yep. get Foster into the lineup, you know. Yep. Who would do that in this day and age? Pete did it because he thought it made the the Reds a better team, and it, ultimately, it absolutely did. Um, 
And so, well, how, how many guys? How many other players? And I don't know. If, and I can't even answer this question. How many other players have been all stars at five different positions? Yeah, I don't. I don't I mean, know. That's, that's pretty incredible when you think about it. Yeah. So, um, so you know, I, I'm trying to not think about uh, the Pete Rose that has become the subject uh, who wears the funny hats at games and uh, does dumb furniture commercials and, and basically embarrasses himself off the field more often than not um, because the guy that played on the field. Did not embarrass himself or his team at all. Uh, it's a guy that every team in the world uh, would have loved to have had. And, and frankly, there's it, no, it's no uh, surprise why he became such a Cincinnati legend. A uh, local kid who, you said, played more winning games than anyone, but he busted his tail uh, every game to uh, to try to play in yet another winning game. So um, I, well, I, It's I, interesting that even now you hear about guys talking to question and Pete about hitting. Joey Votto has been a recent example that he went to Pete and, 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 and to talk hitting with Pete Rose. So yeah. they all they all think that Pete still he knows a little he still knows a little bit something about hitting. And 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 I agree with you about the off field stuff and, and he's almost Pete's almost become a caricature of himself. Yeah. And and, and that's a sad thing. Well, he, he's his own worst enemy in, in some. Absolutely. And, and, and baseball, to me, and, and this is, again, just my opinion, baseball is still trying to punish Pete Rose. They, they want Pete around when it's good for baseball, you know, for them. Right. You know, the, the, you know, the all-time greatest team and, and you know, these, these few events where they've, had, where they've allowed Pete to be on the field. That's because they'd have gotten abused for not allowing Pete to be on the field. But, the, you know, but the, for him not to be able to talk to minor leaguers and that kind of thing, it, to me, it's just silly. And, and it, it almost at this point seems to me to be vindictive. Um, and, again, I'm just talking about my own opinion. And, and there are guys that I think have done a lot more damage to baseball than Pete Rose ever did that have been allowed to continue their careers. Yeah. But, on the other hand, Pete has only himself to blame uh, for being in that position in the first place. So. You're absolutely right, but yeah. it's sad. Yes, it is. So, but uh, but what a player, right? I, I when I was a kid, I wore number fourteen. That's all I'll say. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that, nothing else needs to be said. You weren't the only. You weren't the only kid. I wasn't the only. There were a lot of fourteens <laughs> on a lot of teams. I can tell you that. No doubt. No doubt. I, mean, uh, I, I wore fourteen all the way up to when I was playing softball when I was an adult. Wow. My son's wearing number four right now, and his favorite player is Brandon Phillips. Uh, you don't, uh, yeah, uh, you know, you don't have. Thing you know. <laughs> he, he, yeah. Next thing you know, he'll be. Uh, well, no, no. Next thing you know, he'll have a Twitter. If I, he'll have a Twitter account. <laughs> all right, all right. That dude, CD. Um, That's right. All right, Bill. Uh, I think this was. Uh, it seems like a good place to sort of call it quits here. Yeah. Happy birthday to Pete. Happy birthday to Pete, and uh, look forward to some. Some winning days uh, for the Reds. Maybe not big red machine winning, but some more winning days for the Reds in the weeks uh, weeks and months to come. Let's try to take a couple from the Pirates and go from there. That would be a good start. I mean, really, uh, the team that sort of embarrassed them at the end of last year, uh, if the Reds can take a couple of those, including maybe Cueto getting getting a victory in that series after what they did with Cueto last year, absolutely. That could be uh, – maybe it will be the, the, the jumping off point. So, yep. What else you got for us, Bill? That's all I got, brother. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, again, this is a Red League Nation Radio. Go to redleagnationradio.com where you can uh, subscribe to the podcast uh, via iTunes, via 
Um, we are an RSS feed if you prefer that way. The number of subscribers are going up uh, week to week, and we really appreciate that. Um, follow Bill at Bill Redleg N. You can follow me on Twitter at Dotson C D O T S O N C. Follow uh, um, Redleg Nation at Redleg Nation. Uh, yes, yes, Joel. Follow Joel, our, our third uh, in our uh, triumvirate of hosts here. Uh, the smart guy, Joel. The the only one that's uh, got any brains among the the group here. At uh, J Luckup, at J L U C K H A U P T. Um, and I hope you don't have as much trouble spelling Joel's last name as I always do. Well, I'm sure he's dealt with that his entire life, no question. So, uh, appreciate you. I know there's a lot of things you could do with your, uh, your your time other than sitting around listening to us jabber on about the Reds, but but we appreciate it and uh, look forward to seeing you next uh, next couple weeks when we're going to have a lot more. Uh, optimistic tone around here. The Reds are going to start uh, turning it around. I hope. Uh, for Bill, this is Chad saying so long. Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.